The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome back. Another episode of Your Day in Court with renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 1063. We always start out the show because so many people need legal help and want legal help. How folks can get a hold of if they need your help, Bruce. Sure thing. Bruce Hagen, H-A-G-E-N. You can email me anytime, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com. Call me at 404-522-7553. There's always somebody to answer the phone. We handle every type of personal injury case. And if there's money to be got, we'll go get it for you. There you go. And Ray. Hey, Ray Judice. G-I-U-D is in David I-C-E. 404-964-4185 is my cell. Comes right to me. Uh, you know, also, Bruce brings up a good point. You know, I primarily do criminal defense work. But if you have a legal question or a case that's outside of what I do on a daily basis, I can refer you or put together a legal team. I've sent cases to Bruce. Bruce has sent cases to me because we're the best. But uh, <laughs> let's say you have a probate matter or you need a divorce lawyer. Either Bruce or I can find somebody who we know and trust to help you out with that case. I, I tell people all the time, you know, you have a family doctor that you call and, and there are some problems that the family doctor will say, all right, come on into the office and okay. we'll take care of you. But the family doctor also knows the things that somebody else can do better. And so say, all right, you know what? I know a specialist. Let me send you to this specialist. So uh, you have a family doctor. Think of me as your family lawyer. And, and if it's something we don't handle, let us at least guide you to the right person as opposed to just having to pick somebody out of the blue. Absolutely. These guys can help you out. And uh, certainly good friends of mine, and I always enjoy sitting down with them. Let's start with this Britney Spears story, guys. She has broken her silence about this court-ordered conservatorship that she's been under for about 13 years. She says she feels like she's been bullied. She feels like that her life has essentially been taken away from her. This has got to be deeper than somebody just saying, you know what, we're going to take all of her rights away and throw away the key. But it does seem like one of those cases where you're like, how in the world does this happen? Yeah, and, you know, it's not easy to take away the freedom that somebody has to make their own decisions. It's not something that courts do lightly. So this case was in California. Ray and I, of course, are here in Georgia, but the law is essentially the same. For somebody to have a conservator appointed, they have to be mentally incapable of handling their own affairs. And it can be based on a permanent condition. Like, for example, we handle a lot of personal injury cases involving traumatic brain injuries. And sometimes folks who have traumatic brain injuries, they are still alive, they're still functional, but they're just not able to handle the complexities of day to day life or of handling financial affairs. And so if a medical doctor or a team of medical doctors comes to this conclusion, then a court, in our case, the probate court in Georgia would get involved and make a determination on their own as to whether or not this person can make their own decisions for themselves. And if necessary, they would appoint a conservator to handle financial matters and a guardian to handle personal matters. Sometimes it's a family member. Oftentimes it's a stranger because of the conflict that can come up when a family member gets involved with money. Yeah, the theory of the conservator, think about all the other ways it's in the law. Guardian ad litem, that's one way. Administrator of the estate. So in different sets of circumstances, mental health, physical incapacity. So let's say you have someone who is either injured in a coma from an accident or a Metro Atlanta, a gunshot wound. Well, they may be incapacitated to manage their finances, uh, their family affairs, their business affairs. And perhaps they don't have a good will, which everybody listening should have a will. Call us if you want us to find you someone to get you a will, because that's the phone call we get also. And my brother-in-law died without a will, and now we don't know what to do with the house and this and that. But it's a cautiously used process by the courts. The courts are going to want a psychological evaluation, a mental evaluation. So if there's substance abuse issues, we want to get to the bottom of it. Many times there are pre-approved lawyers who serve as either guardian items perhaps in child cases. 
adoption cases or prior conservators, maybe a lawyer who's also a CPA to take care of the finances of the individual or perhaps that person's business. There's also bonding requirements typically for the person who's serving as a conservator, which you got to believe with somebody with the assets of a Britney Spears and the earning potential that her dad would have to have put up a substantial bond. The idea being you want to preserve the assets and make sure somebody's not stealing from the ward. So in this case, you know, for Britney to come forward and say, you know, I can't make these decisions for myself. I can't do the most basic financial decision, even to to hire a contractor to repaint my cabinets. I can't make medical decisions on my own behalf. That's because the judge has said, you lack the capacity to do this yourself. And that's based on whatever her condition was 13 years ago, when apparently she had problems with drugs and was having personality problems, was having issues with suicidal thoughts. And, you know, she went through a very public crisis. In more recent years, you know, the whole Free Britney movement has caught on. And so, you know, if she's truly interested in removing the conservator, which she claims she didn't even know was a possibility. Now, the court appointed her a lawyer back when this first started in 2008. That lawyer is still representing her. The idea that That she didn't know, that's a little bit far-fetched, you know, because this lawyer says, no, she's known all along. And the judge even said, you could petition at any time to have the conservator removed, but you have to establish a certain degree of competence to handle your own affairs. What she said yesterday was, I want to have the conservator removed, and I don't want to have to submit to any medical evaluations. And I don't think that that's the way it's going to happen. When you don't know what's going on, it's easy to get behind some sort of social media push that says hashtag Free Britney. People are like, well, why in the world? You know, and that have no idea what the background is. It's really complicated, and I hate that it gets summed up in a hashtag on social media. Yeah, and it seems to me what her new counsel should have done was have that psyche eval, that substance evaluation. Ahead of time, right? Ahead of time. Submit it with the petition, uh, show that the growth, you know, she's matured as a human being. That's great. Uh, I have, I first of all, I err on the side of I think people should be able to spend, waste, and consume the, the fruits of their talent as they like to. You know, you hear all these guys that, you know, grum, grumble and bitch about what athletes spend their money on. It's their money. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yep. It's good for the economy. Yeah, and Chill how are out. These jewelers and Lamborghini dealers supposed to feed their families? <laughs> That's right. right. The athletes That's and right. musicians aren't spending their money. They don't waste right. millions. <laughs> right. So here's a, here's a person who's an adult. She's obviously extremely talented. She has the capacity, I believe, to make more money throughout her lifetime. Uh, I would, if I was a judge, I'd I'd be open minded about either winding down the conservatorship perhaps there's a way to do it with uh, maybe it takes three votes to to do something her vote means something or she has more input into the decision making she has her own checking account maybe we take baby steps let's see how she uses her own visa card and her checking account for six months come back and show me what you've done yeah, these days it'd be easy enough to set up a, a budget and say, you know, here we'll we'll put this much on debit cards and available for you to manage, and let's see how you do. Um, we'll do drug testing over the next six months, nine months, a year, see how you do, and, and ease our way out of it. But so so when lawyers like uh, Ray and I see this and something that seems like okay. This seems like an obvious approach as to how you would handle a hearing like this. I would bring the medical evidence with me to the hearing and submit it in advance. When it's not there, makes us wonder if they can't even find a Hollywood hack doctor to say that she's competent to handle her own affairs. You know, I go to court on a regular basis in Georgia on DUI cases. I represent folks charged with driving under the influence of alcohol. And, you know, I've been doing this for 36 years, and I know what's required in almost every case. It's a certain amount of hours of community service, 20-hour risk reduction DUI school, evaluation for, uh, you know, alcohol consumption and problems there. I know, no, it's the same in every case, just how much for which judge. And I've seen very experienced lawyers bring their client in to close out the case or to negotiate the case, and they've done nothing in the six months, eight months, maybe a year or more since the initial arrest in the case. And... I tend to think it's the client just doesn't want to do it because they think it's an admission of guilt or responsibility, and therefore, if they did that, then they're obviously guilty and going to get stuck with it. It's really not. It's a negotiating tool. I like nothing better than to negotiate with a prosecutor or be in front of a judge where I've got lots of papers. I did a very complicated, when I say complicated, it was serious DUI case in front of a very good judge last year. Uh, My client had been in rehab for a year. 
and he had gone to AA every day, literally, for 300 days straight. Now, if you like AA, and I do like AA, I think it's time tested and proven. And he had a stack of the poker chips that you get for 30 days sober, 60 days, 90 days, turning your life over to the 12-step programs. And when I showed those chips to the judge, she said, yeah, this guy's serious. You get credit for that. That's yep. impressive. Yeah, that's great. So. so so with Brittany, you know, bringing it back to her, she's got a real problem with the law itself, right? That mm-hmm. conservatorship is too broad. It's like I'm in prison. I can't make decisions for myself. That's too much to undertake here. The conservatorship laws are fine. It's, it's really a function of you and the facts in your case, and do you need somebody in place to make these decisions for you and do this for you, or are you capable of doing it yourself? And I think this initial approach makes it more difficult for her to go back now to this judge who's sitting up there on a bench saying, you're telling me you didn't know for the last 14 years you could have petitioned this. Your lawyer says says it. It says so in the order. I'm questioning your competency. We're, we're back to square one, quite frankly, because this is a relatively simple. And you know what? She could have looked it up on the on the Internet. Yeah, right. And, and you know, the, the hearing yesterday or earlier this week was not to remove the conservator. It was just for her to be heard. She wanted her, her concerns voiced in front of the judge. And, and so, like, you know, there's nothing to stop you from filing a motion to withdraw the, um, remove the conservator or replace the conservator. And, you know, we'll consider the facts as it relates to that. So maybe that'll be next. But, you know, th- this approach is really just a matter of um, trying to get public opinion on her side to see what that does. And, you know, it's not going to change what happens in court. It's not going to free her up <laughs> to make these decisions. Hashtag so. free Britney is not going to work? Yeah. Oh it might as well say hashtag pay Bruce. It's not going to get me any money. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> it makes Especially sense. these issues are in, usually in probate courts, which is a general rule, don't have juries. So you're not going to be influencing the jury. We see these high-profile, especially criminal cases. You know, 10 minutes after the person is released on bond, they're standing next to their lawyer on the courthouse steps proclaiming their innocence and we're going to fight to the end and the prosecutor doesn't have the right evidence or overcharged. Well, they're trying to shape the jury, okay, that's going to sit in the box 12 months from now. There's, you're not shaping a, a probate court's jury because there is none. It's an interesting story. We'll see how it plays out. When we come back on your day in court, the Supreme Court of the United States unanimously affirmed a ruling on Monday that provided an incremental increase in how college athletes can be compensated. And does it open the door to completely blow up the NCAA model, the amateur model that the NCAA uses? We will discuss that with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice next on your day in court here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back. Your day in court with Ray Judice and Bruce Hagan. My name is Tug Coward on Extra 1063. Going to get into a story that got a lot of conversation around this building. Obviously, at Dickey Broadcasting, we have the fans, 680 and 93.7 FM, which you guys work with regularly as well, talking about sports. But the Supreme Court of the United States unanimously affirmed a ruling Monday that uh, basically changed how college athletes can be compensated. Neil Gorsuch wrote the court's opinion, and it said basically that the NCAA was violating antitrust law by placing limits on educational related benefits that schools and athletes uh, can or uh, athletes at school can receive it didn't go into guys uh, about a an athlete becoming an employee and getting a regular check 
at the school, it talked about if you need a computer, it's okay to get a computer. But uh, and then name, image, and likeness. I'm not sure how that plays in there, and does it play in there? Yeah. So, so we've talked about this concept before that the Supreme Court will hear the case that's brought before it and and make a decision that's on point usually to the this, the case that's before it and the facts of that case. But that the ramifications go much farther than just that case. And so you're correct. This case did not deal with anything having to do with naming rights. It didn't have to deal with you know, the true nature of amateurism or um, can players unionize? Should they be paid? It it really didn't address any of that specifically. It dealt with this sole issue of um, education-related expenses. And and can the NCAA put these kind of restrictions on what schools can give to the athletes who who are on scholarship there under the heading of education-related expenses only? Right, because don't they already? I mean, they already get a stipend. Most college athletes get some sort of stipend. Sure. Right. So, yeah, I think when people heard this, they automatically assumed it was now players players can get paid, and that's not the case. Well, it's important to understand how the Supreme Court works. So, what happens is the case is heard. If there's oral argument, there's briefs, which means legal writings, pleadings, and sometimes there's what's called amicus briefs. Those are friends of the court. They're not involved in the case directly. And there's all this information and fantastic law clerks who went to Harvard and Yale. And then they vote. They have a meeting, the nine justices, and they vote. And then the chief justice, in this case, Justice Chief Justice Roberts, gets to assign the majority opinion to one of the nine. Sometimes he keeps it for himself. If it's something of really national importance like Obamacare decision, Chief Justice Roberts will keep it. Or he assigns it. Now, when the chief justice assigns the writing of the majority opinion, he's in especially this chief justice, he is looking for the, the justice who's going to write the most narrowly tailored opinion that all nine or at least five out of the nine, a majority will sign on to. That's just this justice's philosophy. Back in the Burger Court, back in the late 60s, the, the opinions were wide, broad, all over the place. They, they, spent, they addressed the case in front of the Supreme Court and 100 more cases. What this Supreme Court does under Chief Justice Roberts, from this lawyer's opinion, is to decide narrowly, answer the question of the case in front of it, and kind of tip its hat where, where they're going on the next case. And when you get a 9-0 against you, as the NCAA just did, uh, you need to understand that you, you're in for a slacking the next time. You may, you may get 7-2, to two, but you ain't winning. So that's the message that is sent. Right. And so, you know, to answer the question, like, you know, what, what does this mean for some of these other cases? You know, there, there's the, the majority opinion, and then other justices, if they choose to, can voice their opinion um, through a concurring brief. When everybody agrees or, you, or your opinion agrees with the majority opinion, it's called a concurring opinion, meaning I agree with the decision, but my reasoning is a little bit different or there's something else I want to say about it, as opposed to a dissenting opinion where you are disagreeing Disagree, with it, right? right? And so, you know, in, in the um, concurring opinion that Justice Kavanaugh wrote is really some powerful language in there that should scare the heck out of the NCAA for how they're running their business and any future challenges here because he goes on to say that nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. Mm -hmm. So the NCAA has gotten away with this antitrust exemption for years and years and relied on that. And now you're reading the tea leaves that... Hey, if, if an antitrust exemption case comes before the U.S. Supreme Court, don't count on us to back you up, NCAA. This, this might all go away, and, and that would be the end of amateurism. And the next opinion might be right by, written by Chief uh, Justice Kavanaugh. Roberts now knows where he's going. He's, he, wanted to, he wanted to answer. Kavanaugh probably wanted to put out a broadly written, let's just, let's just end this nonsense with the NCAA because they're not going to learn. They are poorly lawyered and they are poorly managed. They are so far behind the curve uh, that, you know, these, these cases, we, could, we lawyers could see these cases coming. I think the NCAA is just hanging on on, a, on you know, this old, well, it's going to ruin college sports and yada, yada, yada. Well, it's just not going to be the same it is. Or that, you know, these kids are getting scholarships. What more should they get? You know, and, and a lot of old timers sort of feel, you're getting a free education. I don't think anybody truly thinks that 
yeah. A, they're getting that, and B, that's justification for what the athletes are giving to the school. And I don't care what sport it is. You could be a field hockey player in a sport that nobody buys a ticket to go see and nobody uh, goes to the games, um, but the amount of time that field hockey athlete puts in to, to, to represent the school far outweighs what the value of a scholarship is, in, in my view. Um, you know, one thing that's really interesting here, you know, essentially Gorsuch's opinion is saying – the, the NCAA schools can't just all join hands to collectively say, we're going to deny paying these kids this amount of money, right? We, we can't just become this cartel that does that. And that spills into other areas. Now, how did this case even get to the U.S. Supreme Court, right? You had a challenge that was brought at a lower level. You had a decision um, to, from California, Ninth Circuit case, that went against the NCAA, and they could have let it go. Right. They could have settled it. They could have resolved it. They could have done something to make this go away. But instead, they brought this to the U.S. Supreme Court. So now they had been operating under uh, a case that goes back to 1984. There was a case, Board of Regents versus somebody. And, and the essence of it was that um, the court had said in that case that we're not going to get involved um, with telling um, universities how to deal with athletics. That's up to the NCAA to deal with that. And we're just not going to get involved. And so the NCAA constantly relied on that. You know, they, they would always go back to that Board of Regents decision. When it comes to college athletes, we defer to the NCAA. Now you've got this case, which overrules Board of Regents and, and is a more modest decision. And already you're seeing um, there was some case I saw that um, – it was over whether players should be entitled to receive at least minimum wage mm-hmm. for uh, the time that they put in here. And uh, on the day this decision came out, the, the courts go back to the parties. Um, we want you to brief this issue of how your arguments change now that uh, the Alston case was just decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. So this is going to now become an issue in every single NCAA case that, that's going forward. The, the naming rights is up on deck, but um, you know there, there are others involving various aspects of um, paying players and and. You know, this this come up. There's you know the effort to unionize players was one of the are challenges. these workers' compensation injuries mm-hmm. if they're being paid for their product and they're injured on the field, is that a, does that come into state workers' comp law? So the the cat is out of the bag. And what NCAA should have done in 1984 when they kind of won that really poorly written and too broadly over broadly written opinion, they should have said, you know, let's get down, let's let's make this work. And they didn't. They just kept relying on this old Board of Regents decision. Again, think poorly lawyered. You've got states now passing state legislation that says, sure, you can sell your likeness, come to UGA. And then Alabama says, no, come to Alabama. You can sell your likeness here, too. So we're going to get into that recruiting war. And again, I think, as Bruce pointed out, the NCAA took their lumps on this particular case in the Ninth Circuit, which is generally a very well-educated circuit, some of the best justices in the country. I disagree with some of their philosophies, but these are folks that wind up on the Supreme Court or are nominated. And But yet some law firm in D.C. or New York City for $998 an hour said, ah, we're going to win this at the Supreme Court. And what they did now was make bad law. Yep. Yep, and this is going to haunt them. And, you know, you mentioned um, these states passing laws. It's sort of like, you know, you don't want to be the state that doesn't no, have a law saying your that— your schools miss out. Your, your state university is going to, going to be unable to compete. If my kid's right? a five-star and he, has, he or she has the opportunity to play tennis at a university that, that lets her sell her likeness or not— and they're both good schools with great programs. That's a no-brainer. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a no-brainer. So here's the next one I think will be coming. You know, what are the restrictions on uh, the way schools can recruit players out of high school? They're restrictions that are set by the NCAA. This decision essentially says free market should govern. Let schools do whatever they want to attract the talent. You know, you, there's no limitation on what you can offer a coach to come coach at your school yeah. or what you can offer a professor to come teach at your school. Why should there be a limitation on what you can offer a high school kid to come attend your school? So if that were if that were to happen and it's all free market and, you know, we're paying you this amount, but doesn't that make you an employee? So then if you don't perform... You could be fired. Why not? You know, I mean, it's sort of like you're going to get the good with the bad. But but really, when we say that this this potentially uh, is the death knell of the amateur model of the NCAA, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like you're recognizing that, OK, we're going to pay kids 
to come here and represent this university because, by the way, the adults here, we're making a whole lot of money um, off of the success of this program. It's been a fraud for decades, okay? I mean, before there was professional tennis, there was amateur tennis. Rod Laver and Don Newcomb, these are guys back from the 50s and 60s, wore white uniforms, white outfits, and they, they were not professionals, but they got paid for their appearance. You know, college athletes have been semi-professionals for decades, and they've been getting paid off the books in brown paper bags, or their parents have been getting cars. McDonald's or McDonald's bags. bags. <laughs> they were there in Tennessee. <laughs> exactly. So let's clean all that out. I mean, that's kind of the thing about legalized marijuana. It kind of gets rid of the weed, man, because mm-hmm. you can go down to the store and pick your flavor from 800 different jars. And then the, there's a tax on it as well. Absolutely. But, so, you know, it's also going to lead to the, the deep-pocketed programs oh, yeah. attracting the, more more players and, the and bigger, the the folks with the wealthy bigger. alumni. Yeah. And, and, yes, the, the rich get richer. That's what I was uh, thinking. Harder for this, the smaller schools to compete with that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, inevitably folks come through. But, but to give you an example, um, when Steph Curry played basketball at Davidson, they made In their North final Carolina. four appearance, yeah. right? Davidson, everybody who has ever looked at small, great academic colleges in the South knows about Davidson. It's a fantastic, fantastic school. Right. And yet it, when they appeared in the NCAA Final Four, their applications went up like quadruple. And it's just because suddenly people thought Davidson's cool, right? Yeah. And so that must mean there's a whole lot of money coming in, too, because alumni are giving more and people want to be associated with it. And, and you know, what the athletes do on their playing field um, brings money into the university both directly and indirectly. What's, what's the return on investment for Nick Saban's salary mm-hmm. for the university system of the state of Alabama? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not an academic elitist. I started in community college. University of Alabama was not one of the higher-rated state universities decades ago. It is now, and it's almost solely due to the football money and the notoriety and a pretty good basketball program as well. Right. University of Georgia, you could say this exact same, same, thing. Exact same thing. I, about. I, you know, not to get in a fight with anybody, but 30 years ago when I got a, went to Emory Law School, Emory Law School was high, much higher rated than UGA, at least amongst Absolutely. us. You know, that's that was a theory. I, think, I know. I think it probably was across but, the board. But right now, if you can get your kid in UGA, any program they have, you are winning. Well, I would tell you the reason Alabama's school and 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 their uh, quality of education has gone up is because. They're really smart kids who can't get into Georgia who are going to Alabama okay. yeah, or yeah. Auburn or <laughs> right. Tennessee. And, or and that those schools have benefited from public education. But there were other places they went beforehand, yeah. and now Alabama's on the top of their list. But and, here's another example. You remember what was going on at Ohio State and all the problems they had there uh, at, at the university? And, and you know, the athletic director t- uh, being asked, are you going to fire Jim Tressel? And he's like, fire Jim Tressel. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know how much money he brings in for right. this university? He goes, yeah. I hope he doesn't fire me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, right. and so it's, it's yeah, you talk about return on investment. The, the, you look at these beautiful buildings at these great state universities and how much of that is, is a function of people are excited about our football team. I, I mean, I believe the new indoor facility at UGA is what, $80 million, $100 million? Like that, I mean, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a, I know some of that comes from donors sure. and sponsors and things like that, but still, but because those folks the want their bucks back. That's they right. they want to yes. put the money into it and to to put the cherry on top of uh, institutions getting better i mean there's the lewis grizzard joke from years ago who was a writer for the ajc and he would say that if and he was a georgia graduate if you drive through athens when you wind it down they'll throw a diploma in your car mm-hmm. i mean that was the goof right. you know it was right. so we've talked about a bunch of the good things that could potentially come out of this decision from the supreme court as you see it, what are the negatives? Well, I think you're going to have a much more capitalistic college system, you know, for students and athletes where kids are going to shop their talent. They're going to go to the, you know, is a kid going to go into the portal, the transfer portal, because he didn't get enough swag after the first year or he got a better financial offer at another university? Not so much the opportunity to play or get a great education, but the chance to sell more jerseys. I mean, maybe SoCal, he's going to look good in that Southern California USC jersey, and uh, he wants to go over there and get a new number so they can sell more. I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, I don't think it's the death knell to college sports. I just think that folks, you know, the old timers, they've got to say it's just not the same as it used to Mm -hmm. be. And either we're going to enjoy the game and buy a ticket and have a beer or turn away right. from it. But don't criticize the kids. They didn't make this system. No, right. I, f- I find it interesting that we're having this discussion at the same time that we're discussing expanding the college football playoff to a 12-team playoff. Sure. Because it's it's sort of like, hey, you know, I, I feel like these kids should be amateurs and, and college football is an amateur sport. At the same time, 
let's make this a, a tournament that lasts a month and a half and we can and get bigger TV billions. revenue and, and make so much money sure. by, by expanding the field. Completely fair and, argument. And, 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 you know, it's like, how, how do you say one thing on one side of your mouth and, and you know, the yeah. other thing on the other side? Yeah. So I agree. I mean, look, it, it's change. It's not going to fatally end college football as we know it or college sports as we know it. Title IX still applies here, and so schools are still going to have to treat athletes similarly in different sports, whether they're revenue-generating or non-revenue-generating sports. That's the. But then I would bring up that question then. You know, you got college football that brings in, I don't know, at Georgia, like $85 million, and you got the baseball team that, and I'm a baseball guy, that doesn't. How can they be treated fairly? Mm-hmm. How, how could you say then that the girls, I don't know, whatever team that doesn't bring in any revenue, why do you have to treat them the same way if you're not bringing well, in the same this, money? And, and this may be an argument that colleges make that, you know, we say, well, we can't just write you a blank check for your education-related expenses because we'd have to do that for the volleyball team and the swim team and the wrestling team, and we don't want to cancel all those sports. Sure. So, so you know, that brings down what we're willing and able to spend. But what happens when Mississippi State decides, we don't care, you know, we want to have a good football team yeah. for, you know, three years from now and, and come here and, and you can have whatever you want, you know? And yeah. so, you know, Ray's more of a true free market guy than I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe some regulation is appropriate. I think the NCAA has been an awful regulator. Um, but, you know, I've seen what happens when, um, you, you know, we deregulate corporate America and, and allow them to run free. The idea that they'll do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And capitalism looking, will am I, am I looking at Trotsky, yeah. Lenin? I, I, I feel what like it just doesn't there? always work out that way, except for the benefit of those folks who have been deregulated. You want to break up Apple tomorrow morning, <laughs> you too? Know, right? Listen, it, it, it's not such a bad idea. Um, but anyway... Um, I think true free market deregulation here of these universities would be utter chaos. Mm. You make a very good point. But from the legal view of this, the NCAA got what they asked for, which was we're going to just put our heads over our ears and our eyes, you know, like the three monkeys. No evil, see no evil, say no And we're going to rely on this case. And either we're, we're, we're getting the lawyers that we want to hear from and we won't like their opinions or we're ignoring good legal advice and steaming into the 21st century ignorant and yeah. that's what they did and and they've been so all-powerful for so long um that it's like what's to stop them i mean you know there was the ed o'bannon case uh, a couple years ago that sort of foretold the writing on the wall here that you're going to have to start treating um these athletes um as individuals EA who, sports you know, i think was the yeah it was, it, it was basically saying that you can't just put my image as an right. as a college athlete on right. on the cover of a video game NCAA and, football. and you get paid money right or this was basketball for Ed O'Bannon from okay. UCLA um, who oh, was right, very right. clearly recognizable in mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in the with game. his number and everything uniform <laughs> yeah, yeah. style the whole thing right, right. and right. Uh, you know if you have a Georgia Bulldog uh, football video with a number thirty four at running back mowing people down. Um, you know, everybody in the world knows, well, that's a Herschel Walker image you have there. Is, should Herschel Walker have got money or get money now as, a, as uh, an alum? If you have a University of Florida uh, video game with a number 15 in there uh, who's uh, throwing jump passes and taking a knee and, and praying after every touchdown, you know, it's not hard to guess. That's Tim Tebow. Right. You know, people struggle with this issue, but at the same time, if they, most individuals, if they created a piece of what we would call intellectual property, a writing, a, a painting, a piece of software. A non-fungible and the, token. Non, and, and the Chinese steal it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're like, hey, that's mine. Yeah. I want my royalty. I, my, mm-hmm. I want to enforce my patent. I want you, you to buy me out. You said the same thing about uh, the, the uh, vaccine. Absolutely. Right? Intellectual property. Well, I, I, you know, that's a great argument, and that's what the, the manufacturers are saying. It's, hey, wait a second. You know, this is the year. This is the result of years and years and years of research, not just the last twelve months. And as the result of us recruiting the best and the finest brains and keeping them on salary, and we have an obligation to our shareholders and bondholders who fund this operation going forward. We're not just giving this to you, you know. And and the the, the reality also is that really, aside from the major pharmaceutical American pharmaceutical companies and one or two in Europe. Nobody else in the world knows how to do this, even if you give them the patent. I mean, mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is you just don't take, it's not like building a house. Uh, maybe that's too simplistic, but where you take a set of blueprints and lumber and nails and, okay, 
pretty much any builder, if they're conscientious, can follow the blueprints, right? It don't work that way for pharmaceutical drugs. Mm-hmm. Or, or nuclear weapons. That's <laughs> you know exactly I mean? right. It's, it's, it, it takes a little bit more than just having the blueprints. You can get the instructions from Ikea, but that you doesn't did, mean you, you can put it together. You can yeah. download. I, you I've can, tried from <laughs> right, Ikea. Right. <laughs> it may be more complicated. <laughs> yeah. Ikea, man, that's put tough. It, putting together that four-shelf dresser. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> impossible. Man, I, I think that's uh, one of the biggest fights I ever had. <laughs> when, I, once I, when I see an Allen wrench, I just freeze it. Yeah. It's not a tool. It's a tool of destruction and annoyance. No doubt about it. So in the end, as we wrap up the conversation about the NCAA, is there anything we left out that we didn't touch on that we should have when when it comes to this ruling or or how you see this moving forward? Well, I I do think it'll be interesting to see how this comes up with with the um, naming rights litigation and, um, you know, the effort to unionize um, college athletes, which – uh, some Northwestern players mm-hmm. had uh, brought forth some time ago. Um, I think all of that is going to be really interesting in light of this opinion. And I think that when the right case gets to the Supreme Court, they're really going to just slap the NCAA down. The other thing, for years, uh, Justice Breyer has been sort of the business justice. He has been assigned many of the leading entrepreneurial cases, business cases. And under the Roberts Court, we may be seeing a shift to different you know, some of the newer justices – uh, more conservative justices who may side with business, but here they sided with the little guy. And not that the athletes are little guys, but the individual and no. the individual's I right mean, to profit from his or her talents. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible story if you're a college football fan or college athletics fan. I guess I should be more broad in saying that. And then there will be some changes. There will be some differences, but it, will it destroy college football or college sports? Probably not. It'll just look different, as the guys have said. I do want to come back after the break and ask you one question about this. I'll be the final question on the NCAA, and that is, will guys like Todd Gurley or Reggie Bush that got in trouble because they got benefits while they were in college and then were unable to finish their college careers, do they have a claim to go back and sue maybe the university or the NCAA or or at all? We'll talk about that next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice next on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. Final segment of your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Cowart. Before we get into the topic about the young girl who also got a ruling from the Supreme Court, I want to finish the conversation about the NCAA and the fact that the Supreme Court did not side with them. Can players who were suspended or got in trouble like an A.J. Green or like a Reggie Bush or like a Todd Gurley for breaking at the time what was NCAA rules for selling their autographs or taking a home for their mother, selling a a championship ring, did they have an argument to go back and say, I was treated unfairly. If their behavior 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would be in compliance with the new rules going forward, at least it's a meritorious argument. If their behavior, like mama getting a free house and not paying income taxes on it, which would not be acceptable under any set of rules, then I don't think it's a good argument. Lawsuits, probably not, but more like in a form of a pardon or a change of heart by the NCAA and we retroactively give you back your Heisman Trophy or your your Letterman sweater or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's not the university because if, if it had been up to universities, none of them would no, have of course. Uh, <laughs> right. punished these kids. Good you, point. Think, you think we're going to sit A.J. Green yeah, <laughs> and Todd right. Gurley? The conduct of those players also would not be directly governed by this case because selling autographs 
is not an education-related expense. Selling a ring that you got from playing in a bowl game is not an educated-related expense. But, you know, an example of why it's, it's a double standard and unfair would be take any other scholarship student at a university. You know, take, take a musician who's there on a music scholarship. If that musician, you know, creates an album, um, they can go and autograph their albums and sell the autographed albums and make all the money themselves, and they're not violating uh, the terms of their scholarship. But if a football player were to do that, They'd be in violation, right? So, or any athlete. So that's where the NCAA can get in trouble for that kind of thing. But that's not what this particular case was about. There you go. All right, moving on. There was a case in front of the Supreme Court about a young woman in Pennsylvania. She was a high school student. She got cut from the varsity cheerleading program, went on an explicit laced rant on social media. F this, F that, F the school, F the coach. She was suspended. That case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court rules in favor of the cheerleader that the school could not restrict her free speech when she was not on school property. Is that the way it went? That's the way it went. And, and you know, it's an interesting case, and it's something that, um, you know, we should point out because uh, it's a public school, right? This, is, this would not govern private schools. Private schools are not government schools, to use a Neil Bortz phrase. Um, you know, these are public schools, and so, um, you know, that's why it involves this constitutional restriction on your First Amendment rights. But, you know, it's, it's basically saying that, hey, look, when you're off campus and on your own time, the school does not have the authority to be a 24-hour monitor of your behavior and for you to receive a school sanction for things that you say on your own time, even if the words get back to the people at the school, is is going too far. Now, it's not a blanket prohibition or, or restriction on this because there are some things that uh, a school could regulate. Probably this sort of thing, if you said, I'm so mad about being cut from the cheerleading team, um, I'm going to go back and kill the coach or, or I'm, you know, you're making a, a beat somebody up or, or you're or you're bullying, perhaps. You know, I think if there, there are statements that would cross the line that they would say the school could regulate. But this just venting of your frustration um, did not fall in that category. And, it, and the school went too far. And agreed. That's why the court found in an eight to one ruling written by Justice Beyer, uh, who the liberal wing of the Democratic Party is trying to get retired early so that the new president can appoint a younger cat, uh, which uh, here he comes out with a tremendously powerful free speech case. Uh, and, and again, I think Bruce is right, spot on. While her commentary was vulgar, uh, filthy, and, and, you know, it's potty mouth is what yeah. prior generations would have called it, and inappropriate, it never got threatening. Mm-hmm. Threatening would have been the bright line. Uh, there's a Supreme Court case from back in the 30s, and it's a freedom of speech case. And I want to say it was Justice Brandeis who says you can yell out pretty much anything, but you can't yell the words fire in a crowded theater. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's where your, your right to have freedom of speech right. ends. Is when, it, it, in, when it in, infringes on someone else's. And can potentially lead to their harm. Right. My ability to swing my arm ends at the front of your face okay mm-hmm. you know yeah. so uh so i think it's a good decision uh i i thought uh, justice uh, clarence um, thomas thomas you know sometimes i wonder w- what he's thinking um i was yeah, a little surprised I, by that to be honest i i, I am too because historically uh well he, he almost never writes either a, a majority opinion and his concurrences tend to be, I agree with <laughs> Justice whomever's concurrence. Uh, he went out He went out pretty strong on yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, he was saying that historically there are cases that say that schools can regulate this sort of thing, and the majority's not explaining why it's different in this particular case. Um, Breyer had a great line in his um, majority opinion that I, I know I'm going to find a reason to use it in other contexts, but um, basically saying, um, t- in, in talking about, like, why it's important to step in even in a case like this where this girl's just uttering these hateful words. And he says, sometimes it's necessary to protect the superfluous in order to preserve the necessary. Oh, wow. And I just think that's, that's pretty cool. That's good. When Ray and I went to school, we were always reading um, you know, from the brilliant jurist uh, Benjamin Cardozo, who's you know, like one, one of the great Supreme Court justices. And his opinions were full of so many colorful statements like yeah. this. And so you know, that, that, that's a Cardozo-like statement. Yeah, Learned Hand, Augustus Hand, two famous brothers who were uh, – one was a Supreme Court justice, one was a state of New York appellate court justice. And and we those things are fascinating to read, Doug. You know, one of these days, Bruce, let's, let's get a couple of those for yeah. Bruce just to – 
tug to uh, read and just yeah, get, get the to. full flavor. But the truth of the matter is it's the bottom line. And the bottom line from this Supreme Court opinion is that what you say and do as a public school student on your own, through the Internet, Snapchat, whatever it is, as long as you don't defame someone, harm someone, right. or threaten someone, mm-hmm. you're pretty much okay. And, and I can see that. I, like I, It made perfect sense to me that that's the way it would work out because me as a parent, I would beat the crap out of my kid for well, doing that, right? That, that's funny you say that because that was one of the things Breyer uh, was focusing on of why the, this sort of expression deserves special First Amendment consideration because partly from the student's perspective, um, you know, this includes – uh, something that's in the zone of parenting, right? This is a parental Completely. thing more so than what a school should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, regulations of uh, on-campus speech, you know, does that mean that anything you say over the course of the day is on-campus speech just because you're on a social media platform? Um, but one of the weirdest things I thought was he talked about um, the school has an interest in self and described a school as a nursery of democracy. And and it's like, you know, talk about um, just <laughs> what are you trying to do here with with your public schools? Nurseries of democracy are not any way that I've ever thought of the role of a school, yeah. um, ex- except, you know, civics classes. And, and, you know, let's teach kids how government's supposed to work and what three branches are and each of them do. Mm. You know, they can't learn everything from Schoolhouse Rock. Well, yeah. look, I mean, there was a debate <laughs> team back when we were a kid, which was to encourage the exchange of different opinions, uh, which could be sort of an embryonic stage for democracy and critical thinking and analysis. Uh, I don't I don't think this quite rises to the level of that. But nonetheless, um, you know, hopefully this is a, a learning and teaching moment, quite frankly, for the government schools, the public school system, which is to maybe start working with the kids and say, listen, Okay, you know, you want to take a shot at us? You want some criticism? We've got a website. Go on there and call it, say that, you know, Coach Judice works us out too hard or he doesn't know the X's and O's or, you know, Professor Hagen doesn't know his ass from his elbow about quantum physics. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Maybe put try to guide it to a, a slot where – Coach Judice can say, I'll tell you what, man, I'll meet you at the field tomorrow morning. We're going to race, okay? Right, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, right. There's nothing wrong with it. And we were educated back in the 60s and 70s, and we talked back to the teacher. You know, I, I, we caught it upside the head, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Uh, that's not this generation. It's not the next generation. Well, it's my, my, at my house, it works that way, you know, with my own kid. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, if he, if he were to be disrespectful like that, Oh my God! I would lose my mind on my kid, and you know he would. But where does that get you? Yeah, right. no, well, no. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, no, right. Yeah. What I'm saying. So I, I guess I should be more clear. Well, I know you're not there abusing be, the kid. Right. I'm saying, there but, would just be punishment. There would be there would be repercussions. There's consequences. There's right. consequences. Right. Right. Yeah, right. that's what I mean. Right. Yeah, and and you know the the court in this case was saying that the school certainly has an interest in pre, uh, protecting a student's unpopular expression mm-hmm. of opinions. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's something that as a society, yeah, we need to learn to tolerate unpopular expressions we're, of opinion. We're you know? not and, in that place right now. No, we're certainly not. And, and you know, uh, look, w- whatever somebody says, just because just you disagree with it doesn't mean that that exactly. person doesn't have a right to say it. Exactly. You, know? Right. you know, just from our experience, we have both been in court where opposing counsel has gone up in a closing argument or a, a, a motion or a brief and just – as far as we're sitting there saying, wait a second, not one ounce of that is true. That's wrong. That's not the appropriate re- recollection of the facts. And we sit there and maybe we make an objection or two, but we got to take it. And then we get up and get to say our piece. Right. And the quality of the argument and the thought and the case law most of the time prevails. Uh, nobody nobody outside our little world has the ability to do yeah. that anymore. I, in an argument I had with, before a judge recently over a motion uh, after opposing counsel said her piece, I said, Judge, opposing counsel is too good a lawyer to believe one word of what she just said. Um, <laughs> because every single thing she said is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like it's such a, a blatant misrepresentation of the law that either she thinks I'm too lazy to look it up to give you the correct recitation of law or that the court staff is too, la- too lazy to do this because every single thing she said here doesn't apply to this case. It's the correct law. It just has no bearing on anything we're doing here today. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I didn't get punched in the face for it. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's sort of like saying, hey, you know, like we, we were talking about the old 60 minutes point counterpoint. Right? I, right. I couldn't stand up and just be the Dan Aykroyd. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so good, though. But uh, but being able to have a civil discussion about things that we disagree on and is so needed where we are in, in, but think, in think, our culture. Yeah, and think how this would have been differently if this girl 
at, you know, the day after she got cut from the cheerleading squad, shows up in school wearing a T-shirt that says the same thing that she said in her Snapchat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. F the coach, yeah, F the, the school, school yeah. F cheerleading, whatever. You're wearing that to school. The school, I think in that context, they have every right to say, sure. young lady, you're being yeah. disciplined and, it's, we're, and it's disruptive. 100%. And you're, you're, you're being punished sure. for whatever punishment we can give you but that's you, appropriate to that. But, you know, we're, we can go down a slippery slope with that. We're getting cases where kids are wearing T-shirts to school that have President, former President Trump's picture on it. And in some jurisdictions, they're making the kids turn the T-shirt in inside out. Uh, yeah, other kids are saying, I'm triggered. Uh, I, you know, I don't f- feel safe. I don't feel yeah. safe. I get it. There, there's, I read an article in the Sunday New York Times by a, by a writer who was very offended that there were pick up trucks in Long Island that With had American, American flags, flags and that triggered her. Yeah. The remarkable okay. thing about that story is that Ray reads the New York Times. <laughs> you you got to know the opposition and how they think. Friends close, enemies closer. It's not just for the centerfold <laughs> either. Remember what Patton said, Rommel, I read your book. There <laughs> you go. Great stuff. This is a great, uh, great episode of Your Day in Court. Uh, before we get out of here, let's go through it in case folks need your legal expertise. Bruce? Yes, Bruce Hagen, H-A-G-E-N. Call me anytime, 404 Hagen-Law.com. Check out our website. There's a really cool picture of me on it. Uh, I look like a superhero, if you don't mind me saying so. (laughs) I can't wait to see it. Ray Judice, 404-964-4185. I also have a website. And on that website, I've got a whole lot of video of me getting yelled at by Nancy Grace on CNN and doing some other legal commentary on high-profile cases here in Atlanta and nationally. There you go. This is Your Day in Court, Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.